0: to the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. And today we have a special guest lady in the Ladies' Lounge, which is always super exciting. We love bringing another voice in onto the podcast to uh, share some expert knowledge and opinions uh, and give us some some good bits of stuff to think about. Uh, and so this is a, a, a one-question interview with Erin. So Erin, why don't you tell us who is joining us today?
1: Today, we have Deaconess Tiffany Manner, who is the Director of Life Ministry for the LCMS. And for those of you who are sort of in the know, she works in both the Office of National Mission, but she also uh, works with International Mission as well, bringing the focus of Life Ministry to that. Uh, so I'm kind of excited because I'll get to chat with her more. In that role as well, uh, so Tiffany is here today to talk with us.
0: Hey, which is awesome. Yeah. Welcome, Tiffany. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: so we get to talk about life issues today. Erin, what is your yeah. question for so Tiffany? My
1: question for Tiffany is: What should Lutheran ladies be talking about when it comes to life ministry, especially?
3: That's a great question. You know, life ministry is really broad. And across the LCMS, we've got um, really probably hundreds of thousands of people in our city who are really passionate and engaged about the sanctity of human life and the family as God designed it. So there are so many things that that we could be talking about. But I think all of it could be, could we talk about when we think about um, how can I as one person Really affect change on an entire culture or this attitude that's that's out there about bodily autonomy and privacy, and and it's allowed for millions of people to die. Um, You know, 61 million abortions in just the U.S. since 1973, and that's only you know one method of ending life legally. There's there's many others um, topics, and and that's what I mean by saying life ministry is really broad. So I, I guess. For me, what I would love for people to be talking about in life ministry is, is how can we as Lutheran women, living out the vocations and callings that God has placed us in, how we can make a difference in the culture, um, for life. So how is that? Because <laughs> I want to make a difference in the culture for life, and I'm a Lutheran woman trying to live in my vocation. Help me out. <laughs> That's great, and you know we all have so, so many vocations um, that it, it's really it's really individual. So as we think about, you know, whether you're a friend or, or you're, you know, somebody who's employed in the workplace, you've got co-workers, you know, maybe you're a daughter or a sister, a mother, you know, maybe an, an aunt. It, it really, I guess, depends on, on you know, where you are, Rachel, and what you're, you're living out in your vocations. So um, that's where I would um, in- encourage us to think about who's closest around us, who's nearest to us, and what kind of... Um, impact we can have in getting to know them, being talking with, with the people around us and, and learning where, they're, where they are. It's, it's
4: really interesting that you are bringing this up right now at this point in my life. I just moved on to a naval base uh, with my family. My husband's deployed. And so I'm surrounded by other Navy families many of whom are in the same position i am where they are temporarily single parent and that makes it so so hard and so one thing that i love about the culture of the military community is the way moms support each other and i'm learning to do this and also to appreciate it but when you think about how many how many women out there if they are faced with an unexpected pregnancy think Oh, I'm all on my own. If I can't handle this, I shouldn't handle it. Whereas if you have that supportive community, you know, um, I actually had to be late to this call because my neighbor called to say, Hey, would you send my kids home who were downstairs in my living room playing Minecraft? (laughs) And that sort of community support and, and networking can really make a difference in whether a pregnancy, a baby, is something you think you can handle and something you think you just can't. So thank you for bringing up that vocation because I'm learning all sorts of really good lessons that I think translate to the church more broadly. How can we be that sort of supportive community for all the families
3: in our midst? I think you hit on exactly what um, I hope so many people are, are thinking about and, and how important community is and how um, God has put us in, in our communities on, on purpose and what you brought up about women facing unexpected pregnancies, that was what I heard over and over and over again when I was a counselor in a pregnancy center. It, it was a lot of fear and a lot of a feeling of, of being isolated and alone. And I mean, gosh, look at what we've seen in our um, our society in these past months, the, the loneliness and the isolation from the pandemic um, skyrocketing too. So, you know, another, another life issue that, um, we're, we're all dealing with and, and thinking about how to, to be with people when we can't actually be physically with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I am, and I'm glad you brought up community because I, I am married, but my husband and I don't have children. And I, I think it's important for the church to recognize that even families without kids are still families. And so I guess my question for you is, Regardless of where you're at on sort of that family spectrum, how t- how do we live pro life lives in the arena of of you know embodying LCMS life ministry? What what do we what can we all do that makes a difference? Yeah,
3: that's great because it doesn't matter where we are in our family and what our stage of of life is. I mean, just the. Even young children, um, people up into their retirement years and and their um, more experienced parts of uh, of life knows how carefully I'm, I'm how carefully I'm about not saying the word old, right? <laughs> oh, you just said it. I just said
1: it. Just said it. Yeah. <laughs> you know
3: what? I'm older than I've ever been, and I'm getting older daily. <laughs> good it is. It just is. <laughs> I understand that completely. Today, as we're recording this, it's my birthday. So I'm, I'm definitely... <gasps> Happy even-
2: birthday!
0: Happy birthday! I, think, birthday! I think Bree needs to sing a special birthday song no, for I you. No, I've got my
2: scissors microphone right here. Do All it! Right. Do it! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday Tiffany Manor, happy birthday to you. Should you, do God's blessings to you also? No, we don't have time. Do it. God's oh. <laughs> God, blessings to you. God's blessings. Clap, I said. To you, God's blessings, <laughs> Tiffany Manor. Yeah, <laughs> Yay. You. Oh,
0: oh, wow. Wow. Serenades are becoming a regular thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, you're the first person to sing to me today. Thank
3: you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's the kind of service we provide here. And we're happy to do it.
3: Where, okay, where were we? I don't remember. Yeah, we I, was, I was avoiding the word "old" because, yeah, it's <laughs> um, better to say "experienced" in in life. I think, particularly when we talk about um, women who get sensitive, like me, to the years uh, adding up. <laughs> but, but no matter where we are in uh, the family and and in our our own lives, we we can make a difference with the people around us, and so. I like to talk about it really in with, with three things. So it's, we're present with people that can make a huge difference as well as being curious about people and then listening to them. So I know this might seem like really simplistic things, but they can make a difference when it comes to, to being um, pro-life and being concerned about the sanctity of life. So, if we could talk a little bit more specifically about each of those three, I think we can. You know, again, we can break it down from, oh, what do you mean being, you know, just present with people? I'm present with people all the time. I'm maybe some people would say I'm an introvert. I I'm present with people more than I want to be. <laughs> um, extroverts <laughs> might be like, bring on the people, more people. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, more than than just being in in the presence of other people, but really, um, how how we spend time with them, how we get to know them. So I, I should stop myself here and see if you want to add commentary to that or if you know what I'm getting at when I say present and presence with people.
0: Yeah, that's come up before. Uh, I think on our Father's Day episode, there was uh, we, were, we were talking about how um, being with other people intentionally, being in that space with them And sharing in whatever that other person needs or wants is so important to building relationships in order to in order to be there for that person and and to have that that trust as well. The trust in that relationship so that you are able to uh, have life together, as we like to say in Lutheran ways, uh, with that other person or people uh, to have that that community built. And it is so hard
4: to do during a lockdown situation you know, I think social media can help, but it can also hinder. Um, mm. And I find that when I'm trying to build community, I need to leave my phone on the charger. <laughs> <laughs> and be because it is it is an impediment to being fully present and fully engaged with people who are physically with you. Well,
2: um, and I think one of the interesting things about the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, as as the work of the church pertains to life issues that I've really come to realize is you sort in like in the mainstream and like movies and TV shows, you know, you sort of see this evangelical, like people who are pro-life just stand outside of Planned Parenthood, holding signs and yelling at people they don't know to not kill the baby inside of them. But I think with, when it comes to the LCMS, it's been very cool in my, in my dealings working there to see that it's, in the life of a Lutheran, it's so much more than, you know, demonstrating or protesting on a street corner. It is that cultivating of a relationship and a presence with somebody to actually walk with them in their struggle if they have concerns or anxieties about an unplanned pregnancy as 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 the example goes, like... I, in a lot of my experience, I hear about you know people who walk with women during these times of uncertainty, and 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 showing them, look, you have the ability to have a support system. Here are some resources that you that you can take advantage of. And so, I think that it's a it's a much more practical, more community minded role that I think the LCMS takes when it comes to life issues.
4: Yeah, I really I was interested when you said you know presence, curiosity, listening. None of them was go march on a street, go call your senators, go uh, start a lawsuit. Every every piece of your advice uh, centered around people, around relationships, and around the culture that grows out of that community. And I really was I, I mean frankly I'm impressed. Because that's been my experience, too, that you don't, you want to change the world, it starts at the at the roots of the grass, not at the very top, uh, top down. Um, And that that's where, where our efforts really can make a huge difference, maybe not in the big world, but in one person's life or two people's lives. And then that ripples out from there. Yeah.
3: And that, that is the world though, right? That's their world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, all all the activities you describe are, um, you know, can be really good and and helpful things and and they're important as well. But, you know, for each person, um, as Sarah was saying, to, to be intentional about being involved in the people's lives um, around you. And, you know, as all of you have, have, have indicated, you know, there's, there are people near you right now who are, are suffering, who are hurting, who could, Use you walking with them, Um, and it's. uh, I I find myself so torn right now because I I agree that it's it's really beneficial to be physically present individually with someone in these times. But at the same time, I've seen um, some of the devices and the ways of communicating that we have be tremendous blessings. When I was trained as a deaconess, we were taught how to visit and how to go be with people, whether they were at the hospital or at their bedside. And uh, we can't do those things as as easily right now, as we're trying to, to um, protect the vulnerable and trying to keep people safe and keep people healthy. So using our, our phones and texting to be present with someone is is. certainly a a good and valuable way of of expressing that to them. And I, and I found that even as I was learning how to visit people, I had someone uh, who was going through some really difficult times and they were in the hospital at the the deathbed of a loved one. And I would text because they, they couldn't have visits. And uh, this, this woman came back to me later and said, no, your texts were perfect. You would send me, you would ask how I was doing. You would send me a Bible verses in the Psalms. And I didn't, have to respond to you right in the moment i could um you know kind of sit in god's word as i was able to and so that to me wasn't so instructive because was like, okay it, it changes how i was originally taught to visit but it makes it valid that this is how that person wanted me to be present with her was by sending her occasional texts but it, it's it's different for different people what they what they might like and what our own style and comfortability would would be um, I often yeah. I often joke and I, I point to the example in scripture of Job when he was going through all kinds of, of suffering and how his friends first showed up and they sat with him for a week and they didn't say a word. And that was when they did their best work. When they opened up their mouths <laughs> yeah. and started giving him all kinds of advice, that, yeah. was, that was not so helpful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's a lesson yeah. there somewhere. Sometimes you just have to like sit with people and, like, let them feel and just be there when they come out of it <laughs> and to be able to walk through whatever they're dealing with with them and just you know, be whatever they need.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I hear us talking about that and, and hearing all these different comments and what is sort of pinging in my mind is, and I think there's a parallel here between what we're talking about with presence and also that then made me think of how we understand the Lord's Supper and that Mm. there is a, like the, you know, we use that term for presence there as well. And then that got me thinking about how we all relate to one another and that when we are coming, coming to the Lord's Supper, we are taking on each other's taking on each other's burdens. And I mean, when you, you were mentioning about how, you know, the, the staggering number of, of abortions that have happened in our country. And it's, it's sort of, it's naive to think that that somehow is all, I mean, it's not even, but like that even there's that there would be only a tiny, tiny number of people in the Lutheran church who have actually experienced that the LCMS who have experienced, have, have sort of firsthand direct connection with that. I don't think it's probably as tiny as we think, but we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And and we have these conversations where I think oftentimes there can be that sort of putting up this sense of I don't know us and them, uh, and with the concept of presence that we are that we are together in it, and that we share each other's burdens, and that we know that. That were made equal with one another in Christ is a, I don't know, it's a different starting point, I think, to the conversation than I often hear. I don't know. That, that was sort of what I was thinking about as the word presence kept coming up again and again as we were chatting here.
4: I love that you brought up the Lord's Supper just then because, you know, one, what's the one thing we don't do when we go up to the table? We don't talk
0: unless you talk. say amen that's
4: it <laughs> amen yeah we re- we receive we are together and we receive uh-huh. together and there is a time and a place for talking but there is a time and a place for silence and that's that goes so counterintuitive to what we think about life issues especially you know the big ones abortion euthanasia we our strategy for the last you know half a century has basically been yell at it and if it doesn't get fixed yell louder and <laughs> i i do i do wonder if that's you know the only thing we should be doing <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about the other two things we yeah. talked about presence i really want to obviously if we're not talking at the lord's supper we are receiving and that's another kind of listening Tell us how
3: that can be a tool for, you know, supporting life. Sure. And gosh, there are so many things there that we could expand on and talk about for hours. But your point about yelling and added and yelling louder is... Is a really great point because, and I, I'm going to change the word yelling to even like talking at, um, and and to bring out the, the point that Aaron was was making about uh, these life issues are throughout the folks that are sitting in the pews next to us, the ladies sitting next to us in Bible study, or you know across from us in Zoom in Bible study okay. <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, it's not some academic problem that's out there. I I talk to pastors about this all the time, like, guaranteed there are women senior pews who've had abortions. There are are families who are affected by abortions. There are, you know, families affected by the end-of-life issues and decision-making being made and and infertility and and reproductive um, decision-making that that they're having. So it's it's all throughout our, our churches. And so often we want to talk at the issues instead of really being curious about what's Going on, and, and we, we talked about that with women who were unexpectedly pregnant a few minutes ago, but it's it's other places as well. And if if we're really curious about what's going on in each other's lives, then we can understand better what the needs are and how we can bear each other's burdens and support one another better. So, you know, when I when I say the word curious, for me that that goes back to. Um, how God created us to be in relationship with Him and to be in relationship with one another, and how He's He's wired us with this this great desire to want to be known. I mean, all over the Old Testament, there are these passages about God saying to His people, "You know, I've seen I've seen what you're going through. I know you." And then in the Psalms, um, these great confessions like. I don't. Psalm one thirty nine about being known to God and how precious it is that God knows what uh, what we go through. So, for me, as I think about God knowing me and how do I know other people, it it seems to me that I'm not going to get to know people and understand them if I'm talking at them. So that's. That's where that curiosity comes from. I need to be really curious about what's going on um, inside your head, inside your life, um, what's important to you, because that's how I'm going to get to understand you and know you. And I'm not going to get to know you if I'm telling you something. You might get to know me, but I'm not going to get to know you if I'm not really curious about you
4: you may they may get to know something about you <laughs> you know a lot of times when we talk at an issue it's actually a an, an evasive maneuver to try to prevent our own vulnerabilities from coming to light and so part of part of getting to know other people is being willing to be known and that's a particular challenge for me i'm working on it
2: <laughs> <laughs> well and i think it's it, when we frame it as talking at an issue, you've basically taken the humanity out of it. So if you were to say the same things to a person as if you were talking to the issue, like all relatability goes out the window. You're basically isolating. You're basically alienating people who have fallen victim to that issue whether or not they did so willingly or there were medical complications or whatever whatever decision-making happened, I think sometimes, and this goes back to what Aaron said, I don't know that we realize how many people may be affected, even in our midst today, by terminating a pregnancy.
0: We're talking about being curious and trying to understand people and that goes hand in hand with having empathy with them and being able to uh, understand what they're going through even if you haven't gone through it yourself uh, being able to understand where the other person is coming from what their life situation has been why they made the decisions that they made and be able to comfort them and give them god's word in that situation but you have to you have to be vulnerable yourself to be able to build that relationship, but you do have to be, you have to want to know about the other person and they have to understand that you uh, are, are honest in your wanting to know and that you're not going to use that against them. And that all comes back to building a relationship on, on trust and on God's word and keeping uh, our Christian vocations and, and keeping Christ at the center of all of this so that we can care for each other. Can you
4: talk for, I know we said one question, but it's a million questions because we oh, it's a always, million questions. always <laughs> a million. Can, can you talk for a minute about the unique role that women have, especially in beginning of life conversations that very often when uh, the men in our lives, especially our, our pastors attempt to speak up on this, they're told you're not a woman you wouldn't understand. You should just be quiet and let the women hash this out. And so even th- that that puts us as pro-life Lutheran women in a position of perhaps greater credibility. Can you talk about that that unique role that women have
3: in shaping the conversation around abortion? That does become and, and has, has become in, in recent years a really important part of the Pro-life movement is, is the desire to to have it be a, about what women understand and a woman's right to privacy. That's what Roe v. Wade was was based on. It's kind of fascinating, and and I'm I'm even going to be a, poke a little bit at pro-life women. I, I also want to be sure that that we think about the fact that not every Lutheran woman is going to describe herself as being pro-life. Uh, there's there's women who will say that they're you know, that, that phrase doesn't describe them that they may be Lutheran, but, but they're not necessarily pro-life. I mean, I, I was certainly one of, of those women, you know, 20, uh, probably about 25 years ago or, or so. So I just want to put that out there as, as well. And say that there's, it's God's, um, who, who transforms the hearts of people through his, his word. And, and I, I don't want to overlook that, that, um, there may not be a common understanding of the, the role of Lutheran women, in sanctity of life efforts. So um, excellent point. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it is it is something so you know, having offered that that disclaimer and that understanding <laughs> um, you know, that, that there may be people listening and, and people in the Lutheran ladies lounge who would, would really see some of these conversations differently than, than the five of us who are talking today. And and I think that's great. And I, and I'd love to have conversations with people like that because like I said, I, I didn't always believe the way I do today. Um, so without all that long digression, <laughs> I think that we have an opportunity as, as Lutheran women, um, who some folks would say have more of a right to speak to this, to, to invite men in and, and to, to talk about that as well, because the, the family God didn't design the family to just be women, you know, pregnant women in isolation. Uh, there, there are fathers involved right from the very beginning. With every baby, there's a father involved. Mm-hmm. So that can be a way that we can, with, within our vocations, uh, help to, to shape that, that message, whether it would be uh, young women that we have the opportunity to to talk with and help them to, to grow up understanding that, you know, this isn't just a woman's issue. This this is a humanity issue. It, it's men and women. It's the family as God designed it. And so to help help others see that so that, so that pastors and, and fathers um, can be more respected on these topics. So in some ways, I may be kind of dancing around your, your question a little bit. Um, Rachel, and maybe you have some, some thoughts to share on, on any of you on, on this as well. But I, I don't like to just say like, this is a topic only for women. That's, that's really what I'm I'm getting at here is. Um, yeah, that maybe we can
4: use that, that microphone that the world hands us to say, I'm going to hand that microphone to someone who has a real stake in this conversation as well, whether or not, you know, the world thinks that he should. And maybe we can share the microphone because I, I do think that that uh, our voices can be heard in a beneficial way. But I love your challenge to not necessarily give in to the world's, uh, you know, rules of engagement on this <laughs> and say, oh, this is women's only. Uh, yes, we are heard in a different way, but we can use that voice to broaden the conversation.
3: Oh yeah, you said that so much better than I did. So I'm going to just <laughs> quote you from here on out. So yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> did we did we talk about the third your third point about listening yet? I, I feel like we kind of, kind of sort of touched on it, but can you can you give us a little bit more about what it actually means to listen to somebody? <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, curiosity and listening go hand in, in hand, right? So if you're curious about someone, uh, you're going to be more apt to to listen and to listen well. Uh, it, you know, it was brought up. We don't we don't listen to have uh, ammunition to use against people. We listen to meet them where where they are. So something we do with uh, humility, you know, desiring to learn, and then compassion, compassion for them, and and uh, you know, we brought up you brought up empathy, Uh, Sarah, that's, that's so, so key. It's, it's desiring to learn. It's, you know, in Colossians, it it talks about being the opposite of of presuming and and leaping to give advice to people. So it's fascinating, you know, the the difference between the word hearing and listening, someone who, who hears you, that can be a really passive thing. Like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I heard you. I hear you. Um, (laughs) But listening can take some, Work. Oh, mm-hmm. you, you have to go to a lot of effort to listen and listen well to someone.
4: And sometimes, if you're me, you have to break them off mid sentence and say, "I'm sorry, I don't. I zoned out. Could you please repeat that last paragraph?" <laughs> Honesty is the best
2: quality. <laughs> uh, well, a few, so, few squirrels in my life. <laughs> we talk about listening to and and presumably what we've been talking about all this time is you know women who are struggling with life issues in one way or another or, or we're talking to the person that's facing the struggle regardless of what the what aspect of of life sanctity of life that we're talking about i am interested in how we communicate with the other side Personally, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up sort of your journey through sort of being pro-choice up until like 20 years later. Now you're the director of LCMS Life Ministry, which I think <laughs> is fantastic. Like Aaron will tell you, I think two, what was it? Two or three years ago, we had this discussion and I'm like, I am pro-choice and there's nothing you can do to change my mind. But like, i for me, I so so we'll take abortion for example. I hate that it exists, it shouldn't. Um, I I personally believe that it's not a black and white issue, there are complications and nuances. But I guess looking at from where you're coming from, like, how do we engage in those conversations with people who are like all about you know reproductive rights bodily autonomy like there's this whole other side to it that's loaded as well like how do we recognize the other side and how do we do we engage with with people who are just a hundred percent pro-choice no questions asked
3: okay let's start with the last one first but yeah, yeah absolutely I <laughs> In that we, one sentence. <laughs> um, we absolutely do engage with everybody, everybody around us and, and everybody we meet. And so um, we, we lovingly talk through these things. I mean, there's, there are, so many books out there on sanctity of life issues that that will, you know, kind of train you how to respond in an apologetic sort of way. Like, you know, they say this, then you say this. They say this, you counter with this. And those can be helpful uh, to help you have information, persuasive arguments, win the debates, or at least engage in the debates. But here's the thing for Lutheran women living out our understanding of of vocations. And, and again, that list that I I said a few minutes back being daughters and neighbors and friends and mothers, sisters, grandmothers, aunts. I mean, to have those debates are not necessarily always going to persuade people. So if we're listening well, if we're, if we're present with people, if we're curious, if we're listening well, we're going to understand what's going on in their, their hearts behind some of those statements and then we can respond authentically. So I you know it's not something that I'm going to sit here and give a formula to you like if they say right. this you should say that. There's people way smarter than I am who've written books on this on this. <laughs> but <laughs> but I I would say if hearing and asking about the emotions that lie behind what they're saying. So if someone um, <laughs> my my husband and i joke about a sanctity of life sunday it was somewhere in our early marriage i don't remember if we'd already had our, our first child or not but there was you know the pastor preaching a sermon on life and after church i looked at my husband and i said if i'm here and there's another sunday like that again it was in the prayers it was in the sermon i think there was some an alternate hymn or, or uh, litany or something like that 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 was used and i was like i'm going to walk out I mean, he, he laughed about it to the same. So in that conversation, I could have looked like, you know, some really torqued off pro-choice person. But the conversation instead that I that became ongoing with my husband, my pastor, other people at church was, why was that causing me to be, be angry? Because I felt like women had privacy and autonomy over their body. And I hadn't encountered how it was God. I, I, I'd I heard and I understood that God created us, but how are our, our, our bodies that are not our own? They don't, they don't belong to us. They're, they're gifts to us. We steward our bodies. We take care of them as a, um, a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, So there was a lot I had to learn because I had the wrong premise. But if someone had just responded to me with statements, it would have just, you know, be, been a debate and argument, but instead to hear what I didn't understand and, and to meet me with with what I yet didn't understand and to give me um, God's word in that way. That's what changed my heart. So that's where I'm I'm more with this. It's like,
2: you know, there's a lot more than a statement. So, I mean, you talk about formula. I mean, it looks, it sort of looks like, you know, presence, curiosity and listening in every facet of the discussion, no matter who it is that we're talking to, seems to be a good formula to keep in mind. Well, uh sure. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to um have a formula you're saying I have a formula. We but, okay,
3: sure. uh, but part of where we I guess go from there is I mean there does have to be something after understanding people and knowing where they are and how we respond. And that and that's where you know, as Lutherans, we kind of understand um, God's word to be both law and gospel, and so it's it's the times that when we're when we're talking at people or we're telling them things, we can be pretty law oriented. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's the gospel that changes hearts, and sharing and witnessing appropriately once we we know where someone's coming from. So there, there's 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 more to it than that. But yeah, I guess you have called me out that I said, I wasn't going to have a formula <laughs> and I've given you some three handy steps. Well, no, 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 you know.
2: Now you
1: have it in the back pocket. You yeah. have it in the back pocket. So Tiffany, you're welcome. A little bit, a little bit ago, you had, you had said uh, something. And I remember we had chatted about this just briefly before the idea of giving advice and that often mm. when we're, you know, if you're at, if you're at a, if you're at a Bible study or you're just getting together and somebody shares a problem, then, you know, there's there's sort of the the stereotype that, you know, it's it's men who are the problem solvers. And they're the ones that are then going to try and go in and fix the problem as if women don't do that. Um, and- <laughs> <laughs> we
3: totally do that. We totally do that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, like. Then when you were just saying the idea of law law and gospel and how that gets applied and how often advice seems to often be essentially the law dressed up with sort of a little bow on it to make it kind of pretty and friendly. <laughs> um. And even Christian
3: and sanctified, you know. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And how aren't we women
3: really yeah. good at that?
1: Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, I think it's understanding and recognizing what we're doing and when we're doing it, because that's, that's sometimes the critique about social media, right? Like you, you go out there and you post something and then people come in and they are chiming in with really helpful advice. And, all, and their advice is all the things you should do. And anytime we, as Lutherans who, who understand law and gospel would say, like, do is a law word. Anything a, a human needs to do, anytime God in his word tells people to do something, it's the law. But if we're instead describing what God has done, um, what what God is doing, that's the gospel. So we don't always recognize it. We might be able to recognize it like at, at church in the sermon and you know, going through the catechism, what's law, what's gospel. But we don't always recognize it when we're interacting with other people, how we're giving them law. And the law always accuses and kills and condemns. And that's why... You can go and spend some great time with some wonderful Lutheran ladies, and they give you some advice, and you might walk away feeling like, oh, Ugh. I feel worse than I did before. <laughs> because these dear people have just shared the law with us. So it, it's tricky, it's hard, and that's where listening to other people to know what they need is so crucial. Are they are they struck down? Are they brokenhearted? Are they afflicted? Are they terrified? And I'm just kind of paraphrasing Isaiah 61 here, the first couple mm-hmm. verses. Then then that's when they need the gospel. So let's use our, the example we we've, we've talked about a little bit here. It's come up a couple times of the woman unexpectedly pregnant. If we're going to tell her what she needs to do, we're sharing the law with her. But if we Instead, can share gospel, what God's doing and what God's people can do, come alongside her, find out what needs she has. Is it housing? Is it support and other tangible means? Because the father of the child or her own immediate family aren't going to to help her with the pregnancy. That's where the gospel makes a difference.
0: Mm
4: -hmm. I love what you say about listening and deep listening, listening not just for the words, but for the subtext, for and what is often turns out to be pain that mm. so many of the people were trying to argue against their positions are not rooted in logic. They're rooted in pain. And that if we can listen for the pain or the joy or the desire or, you know, but often it's pain um, that we can get to the bottom of it with them a little bit more efficiently. So I'm curious. To do a little listening with you, you obviously had an interesting journey on your way to uh, director of LCMS Life Ministry. Can you tell us a bit of your story? Because it keeps coming up in little bits and flashes, and I just want to hear more. I'm
2: so interested right now.
3: I think the bits and flashes are it. I think you've you've really heard most of it, and and that was I, I can't uh, describe. A road to Damascus type of experience where all of a sudden, <laughs> sudden I encountered Jesus and it was a drastic shift from pro-choice to pro-life. But what I, I know is in in high school and college as a young adult, I, I was actively speaking pro-choice types of, of phrases, death with dignity, all women should, you know, I would say things like, well, I'm not going to have an abortion, but I think other women should have the right to choose. Those were the types of, of things that I, I would have talked about um, and, and and lived out in, in helping friends make decisions in, in their lives and, and things of that nature. But it was through my really gradual Catechesis. It wasn't just I took a new member class in in college and became an LCMS Lutheran. Although I did do that, um, but it, it it wasn't like you know I went through those weeks of talking with with my pastor at the campus ministry and all of a sudden um, everything clicked that I uh, I had to, to wrestle with things and it took a lot of people, um, but you know primarily my my pastor and my husband who who walked with me and helped me to understand um, God's God's word fully and. So that's the you know the gospel and the Holy Spirit transforming my heart. So so there's not uh there's not much more than than that. And I can't even articulate when exactly and it happened because it was so gradual.
4: But then you went on to be a deaconess, to be deep into this work and getting deeper and deeper
3: by the day, it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, uh, so even before I became a a deaconess, uh, and part of what I I guess led me to study as a deaconess was volunteering at the pregnancy center and and being a counselor and walking beside women who were unexpectedly pregnant, um, a lot of them teenagers. And and this was in the Detroit area. So a a lot of people coming from varied backgrounds and and different ethnicities. And so that was, was transformative me as well, to hear stories and hear um, the difficulties. We we had generational clients. Their moms had been in and they had been our clients. And now here the daughters were coming in to be our clients Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly part of my story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I have always uh, been quote unquote pro-life, but there's, there is also catechesis in that stance as well of of saying you're pro-life, believing you're pro-life, and then really understanding what that actually means. A lot of, of that is what we're talking about. You know, how do we actually live that out? Uh, how do we love people where they are? How do we speak the law and gospel to them faithfully while still giving them what they what they need and should hear in order to uh, bring Christ to them? One thing that always sticks in my head whenever we talk about life issues In this specific instance of of unplanned pregnancies, children are always a blessing. It doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't matter who it happens to. A child is always a gift. And coming at a situation with that understanding, when I finally got that into my head, um, that just shifts how you treat people, how you have a relationship with the people that are dealing with this. The child is always a blessing, and and that that nugget at the center makes, at least for me, made a huge difference in in how I approached people and and want to just love on these women who who have these blessings now. But it can be
4: hard. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. I'm not sure I've ever shared this story in a public way, but when I found out I was expecting my first child, I cried my eyes out <gasps> because no, just because. I wasn't ready. You know, my husband was a, was getting ready to start his first year of seminary. I was in grad school. We were barely employed or housed. And it was so overwhelming. And of course, the hormones don't help either.
1: <laughs> it's true.
4: And so even though here I am, a happily married pro-life woman, and I'm completely snowed under by the emotions of having... A tiny life that I didn't think I was ready for. And yet, she has been one of the greatest gifts of my life. God worked it out. Mm-hmm. and But I do, I'm able to, because of that, empathize a little bit with someone who is in much worse situation even than I was at that time and is completely overwhelmed um, because these are not simple issues. No. But man, I'm I'm so grateful that God knew what he was doing then, because he
3: totally <laughs> did. And you're right. Every child is a blessing. Oh, so I'm so glad you brought that up, because that element of vulnerability that women who are unexpectedly pregnant have is is so huge, and to be able to empathize with that, I, I can as well. We kind of joke now, I mean, our, our kids are all grown up and independent, and I'm about um, uh, three, four months from meeting my first grandchild. Uh, so I'm a grandma. Yay! Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. But we, in in the, back in the day, we, we struggled with everything from secondary infertility, you know, difficulty conceiving to being unexpectedly pregnant. Uh, my, my third daughter uh, knows, so it's, I can say it publicly because we laugh about it with her now and she's in college, but she'll say things, you, you know, we'll, we'll prompt it. How early were you? I was 18 months early. <laughs> so, <laughs> She was, she, you know, I found out I was pregnant with her at a time at which we did not expect. And so like you, I experienced that, you know, oh, gosh, this is kind of rocking my world. And and my doctor at the time, when he could tell that I, I wasn't, uh, I was surprised by being pregnant and was, was caught off guard by it, uh, asked me if I wished to have an abortion. He knew I was married. He knew I had two other children. But he, he asked if we wanted to explore that and that, that would be a moment where I guess I was I knew I was firmly pro-life because it was like a <laughs> clutch my, my belly, no, 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 no. But there are so many different things that, that women go through when they find out that they're they're pregnant. And the idea, this modern idea that we can plan our um, fertility and, and get to choose when we have babies, like the mistaken ideas I had, and then you know, we find out that that we can't conceive, um, or or now's not the time, and and so that that's really an important issue for women and, and to meet women where they are with that as as well, uh, because we we say sometimes unhelpful things to one another uh, that don't show that we really understand. God's design for the family and and for life because when we ask young couples who are just married you know when are you going to start your family and they're struggling uh, <laughs> they're yeah. to conceive so it's all of it's all of these things so uh, you know thanks thanks for bringing that up because that's that's part about um being proactive is understanding that it's God who creates life when and where he chooses
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I it guess- made such a huge difference
4: for me in that season of my life having a family And a church who saw and celebrated, you know, the value of my children's lives, that if we needed stuff, people gave us stuff. If we needed support, if we just needed someone to look us in the face and say, this is so exciting, you guys. We (laughs) had that. And I think that's something that we as Lutheran women can give to other young mothers and fathers to simply say, this is so exciting, it's also nerve-wracking, but exciting mostly.
1: <laughs> Circling back just a little bit to something that you had said earlier, Tiffany, about your your journey towards your current understanding of sanctity of life, and you you said specifically that you know the the Holy Spirit it was a transformative action of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we lose sight of that in our interactions and take on this idea that somehow it's to us to win the debate and to change their mind as if we're able to do that. uh, And as if this isn't somehow actually something that, you know, it it goes contrary to our fallen sinful nature. And so we really like, we, we aren't going to be the ones to do that. And there's, there's certainly people who have a, who, who are, who are opposed to abortion, who are not Christian. However, we have a different understanding than that and i can you know be be glad about about that that we share that point in common but to have an understanding of the sanctity of life because that's something that god has has created and given to to each person that's something that comes from without us and so when we are entering into those conversations to to do so with the idea that ah Maybe I don't know, is, is it wrong to think that you should enter into it with the idea that maybe maybe you're an instrument of, of the Holy Spirit in this case and to like be to be somewhat cognizant of that or is that taking on too much onto ourselves? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts?
3: I don't think that's taking too much on i mean the whole understanding that we have a vocation is because god works through us to serve other people and and to bless them so if we have that that attitude and if that's that's our prayers we're talking to people about any life issue we just seek to share um, god's word to to witness to him um you know particularly to um the forgiveness and life found only in christ and then We've we've got the humility um, to to just understand it's God working and, you know, try and get out of the the way of what he's going to (laughs) do.
4: Tiffany, I know our time is probably coming to an end pretty soon here, but before we wrap, I just want to say, I like you. I'm so glad (laughs) that you are in this job. You are an answer to prayer for so many people. How can people listening to this, connect with your office, with you, with the work that's going on. Tell us more about that.
3: Oh, thanks. Well I like you too. I like all of you. This is this is <laughs> great. It's like sitting down with um four new friends. So yes, <laughs> that's, that's yes. yeah. Yeah. So I said at the beginning that, you know, there I know that there are thousands and thousands and Thousands of people out there in the LCMS and, and and women who are passionate engaged about life ministry and and again we define it broadly it's it's not just beginning of life issues it's all throughout life it's end of life it, this isn't a job that's one person <laughs> it's supporting all of uh, the work that's going on out there whether it's the, the mercy work being done by congregations at, at local centers to um, get women um, resources or to support and help Lutheran women who are by the bedside of loved ones who are, are dying. So part of it is, you know, knowing what's needed, knowing what's being done out there. So I, I really am learning and listening. So my invitation is you know for people to, to reach out to me and others involved in LCMS Life Ministry We've got an email address, so if there's folks who have their stories to share or um, things they'd like to see, it, it's simply lifeministry@lcms.org. So just all together, lifeministry@lcms.org, and we can keep talking about this about how in our, our vocations we serve, and then God transforms hearts because that's. That's what's really going to make a culture of life um, to come back in in our society is is more and more hearts being transformed and and are witnessing and and pointing them to to Christ.
4: Amen. Hey, that's that thing we say when we don't have much else to say.
0: Amen. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is so. That's it. (laughs) Tiffany, it has been so awesome to have you on with us. I know we could go on about this probably for another three hours and not run out of things to talk about. So maybe you know uh, that when whenever Life Sunday happens, maybe we'll have you back on. <laughs> we'll talk about more more life issues again. I know there's there's always there's always things. So thank you so much for uh, taking time and uh, and sitting down with us on your birthday of all days.
2: Happy birthday! <laughs> Thanks.
0: We would love to hear your stories, ladies in the Ladies Lounge. Uh, We'd love to hear your own stories about uh, if you have your own journey, um, if you have... Uh, people that that you've been able to work with in your own lives uh, your own stories we'd love to hear them if you're not in the facebook group yet you can find the lutheran ladies lounge on facebook you can also find all of our podcasting episodes at kfuo.org lutheran ladies lounge or on your favorite podcasting app of course you're listening to the lutheran ladies lounge podcast i'm sarah
4: i'm erin i'm Bree, and i'm Rachel. rachel
1: we had a little bit of a break from these episodes we haven't been doing them week after week and so you lost your your flow my
0: my brain went wait what am i saying